we uh, partly into a short series begun last week, happening over a few weeks, looking at these fire values, which come from partners in harvest, uh, a kind of part of the identity of that movement that we connect with and identify with, uh, some things that kind of underline who we are and what we're about. And last week we were thinking about Father's love revealed through Jesus Christ. And today we're going to be thinking about this second, the eye in fire, which is about intimacy, about being close to God, about presence and knowing Father's voice, knowing God's voice. I don't know about you, but it's a strong sense of his presence already with us. And, uh, and I want us to think for a little while about some of that stuff, about how we get there, how we linger there, what it looks like, what it might feel like. And to just stir up in us that desire to passionately seek after the Father's presence. So let's pray. Father, thank you that you want to be close to us. Thank you that it is your desire that your children would know you. And that they'd have the love and the security and the hope that comes from knowing that Father loves us. Amen. Well, I want us to start in John chapter 15, but we're going to look at a few different passages today. But if you have your Bible with you, turn it on or open it up to John chapter 15. A few verses from John 15, just a few thoughts I want to draw out of those, and then we'll touch in on this whole subject of intimacy and presence and hearing God. Um, it's kind of a good advert that next week is the fourth uh, session of Abundance, um, which is a kind of ministry school that's happening in a, a, a sort of curtailed ministry school. Next week we're going to be thinking about um, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, and hopefully how we might tune in and listen to the voice of God. So um, next week that's what we're hoping to cover, God willing. And so uh, if you wanted to come just to a standalone one, you haven't been coming to the others, and you want to kind of dig into this, then, you know, let me know, and I'll make sure there's some notes for you, but you do need to let me know beforehand. It's giving you time to find John 15, and we're going to start reading from verse 9, Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he's just told them that great image, I am the vine, you are the branches, if you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing, Jesus has said. Then he says these, verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. 
I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love one another. It's a great image that Jesus shares with them just before, this image of a vine. I didn't know much about vines. I hadn't seen many until, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago or so, and then I saw my first vine and began to see how this image kind of fits, really, because, you know, If you take a look at a vine and see how it is, you get that sense of that central trunk, the body of the plant, and then all these branches that run off it. And uh, a well-dressed vine will have uh, sets of branches that come off that are clearly part of that, that plant, but they're identifiable as well in themselves. But it's hard to tell where the vine stops and the branch begins. There's a kind of organic connection. They're rooted together. They're the same stuff. It's not that... The branch is made of different things from the central vine. It's actually that the life of the vine runs through the whole. And this image that Jesus is giving us is that we're part of him, but because the branch kind of stretches out and grows and becomes fruitful, if you were going to cut it, that's the bit that could get cut. That's the bit that could get damaged. That's the bit that could break off. And it's possible to break a branch off, but the vine will still be there. It's possible to cut a branch off and the vine will still be there. It's possible for a bit of that vine, the branch to kind of start dying back, but the branch would still be there. Sorry, the vine will still be there. And so this image that Jesus uses and this kind of strong command in there is, guys, you need to stay connected. You need to remain in me. You need to stay in me. You need to be connected to me. You need to have that life that flows from the vine flowing through you. Because if you get broken, if you get damaged, if you get cut off, if you cut yourself off, if something happens, there's no longer this life flowing into you. There's no fruitfulness that comes that way. All that happens is death. And what's amazing with a a, a vine with a long branch in it is that you could cut that branch. And it'll continue to kind of grow and it'll continue to appear that it's living for a short while, but not too long a time, it will eventually just die completely. And Jesus in that passage is teaching us in that first part of John 15, this absolute dependency that we have on him. And then what he comes on to is to give us the context of why. Why is it that God wants us to keep the commandments? Why is it that God wants us to stay close to him? And it's in that why that we start digging into this stuff that's in our fire values, the I. You see, it's not because God loves it when he has a bunch of automatons doing what he pre-programmed them to do. It's not because God is some tin pot dictator who needs everything to do exactly what he says it should do in order that his own sense of worth can be inflated and massaged. God is not ego-driven. The reason why God wants us to stay in that vine, the reason why God wants us to stay close to him and connected to him and live the kind of life that enables us to remain connected to him is because he loves us. 
Now let me be clear. For us in church world, we've done some really weird things with this language of love. We really, really have. You're looking at me confused. Okay. Have any of you ever had somebody say to you anything at all that was prefaced with the phrase, I need to tell you this in Christian love? Some of you have. And on a scale of one to 10, how loving was that experience? Now we're laughing because there's a kind of recognition of what I'm talking about here. Which is we have done some weird things with that concept of love. Well, yes, God loves you, which is why I have to tell you everything that is wrong with you. It's only because God loves you that I need to tell you everything that is possibly wrong with you and make you feel condemned and lonely and worthless, but I only do it because God loves you. And sometimes you go to that prayer, you're saying, oh Lord, would you just love someone else for a while? This love that the Father has for us is not some distant, I made you so I know what's best, just shut up and do what I say kind of love. It's, you're my kids. It's, when I look at you, my heart moves. It's the love that says, I want you to stay with me because my choice is to stay with you. You're looking blank. Don't really believe it, Jonathan. Well, okay. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, as the Father has loved me. Let's just pause there. So when we think about the love between the Father and the Son, is that the kind of love where the Father is saying to the Son, do what I say? Well, if you had to describe the love between the Father and the Son, the love that exists in the Trinity, that binds the Trinity together in its holiness and its completeness, what kind of ways might you grasp at as, I mean, words are very weak things sometimes, but if all we've got are words, what kind of words could we grasp at that would begin to describe the love that exists between Father, Son, and Spirit? What words might you use? United. United. Unbreakable. One. I didn't hear anybody say duty. <laughs> didn't hear anybody say compulsion. Didn't hear anybody say for fear. And Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. So I love you. It's the same love. In John chapter 17, Jesus prays that great prayer. And in that prayer, he says, Lord, help them to know the same love that we have is the love that you have towards them. And here's the thing. God only knows how to love one way. It's completely. It is utterly. It is wholly. It's not that God has a partial love for some and a complete love for others. It's that God only loves one way and it is completely. And this complete whole love that exists between Trinity, it, Jesus says, is the love that Jesus has for us. And later on he's gonna pray in John 17 that we would know that the Father's love towards us is the same as his love towards the Son. He loves us in exactly the same way. Isn't that incredible? 
The Father loves us utterly, regardless of our performance, with a perfect understanding of who we are. Oh, but Jonathan, if you really knew what I was like, you'd know why it is that God can't love me. Do you think for a second that God doesn't know what you're like? What on earth do you think you could possibly hide from him? And yet Jesus says, he loves us. He loves his followers. He loves the people that come after in exactly the same way as the Father loves him. So he tells us, remain in that love. So first of all, he says, remain in the vine, remain in me, stay in that vine. Now he's saying, just stay in that love. And you see, the language changes, because this love isn't the kind of brutal love that we sometimes imagine it is. I love you, I know what's best, so do what I say. It's intimacy. It's a close sense of connection. It's being bonded to in love. This remain in my love is Jesus' instruction to his followers to stay in the place of intimacy, to stay in the place of emotional, loving connection to God. Oh, Jonathan, this sounds all lovey-dovey. Yes, do you know why? Because it's all lovey-dovey. We just got to get it into our heads and somehow then let it slip into our hearts that God has an emotional connection to our emotions and longs for us to reach out with our emotions and connect with him. Not just head to head, not just spirit to spirit, not just understanding to understanding, but our hearts, our love connected to him. Remain in this love. Remain in this love. If you keep my commandments, you'll remain in love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. If you love me, obey my commands, says Jesus. And then we kind of use that to go on to say, so if you really want to show God that you love him, if you really want to show Jesus you love him, here's all the commandments that you should keep. Let's go back to the Old Testament and we can start with the Ten Commandments. Love the Lord your God. We start there. And we completely skip what's coming up after Jesus has said that. What Jesus says is, remain in me. Then he says, remain in my love. Stay in the Father's love. Look, if you really, really love me, and this is how you show that you really love me, keep my commandments. And here's my commandment, love one another. I mean, that's what Jesus says in the next breath. I think he meant us to, to kind of conflate those two things and say, okay, Jesus, I get you. Here's Jesus' commandment to us. Here's how we stay in his love. We love him and we love one another. That's Jesus' commandment. This intimacy with the Father is a choice that we must make. It's a, a decision that we have to make for ourselves. God, I'm going to chase after intimacy with you. I'm going to look how I can get closer to you. I'm going to use all that is in me to get to that place of emotional connection and intimacy and stay there. And Lord, that means I'm going to follow your commandments, which means 
I'm going to seek to live in that love and remain connected, as much as it's up to me, remain connected to other people in that love as well. Our love and our intimacy with the Father is therefore shaped by our desire, our desire for him and our desire to live in love with each other. That's why we have in that prayer that the the Lord taught us, this connection between forgiveness, the way that we forgive others and our experience of him. And here Jesus makes a connection with the way that we love the Father and the way that we love one another. A bit later, John is going to write, it's impossible, really impossible, to say that you love God and mean it if you have hatred in your heart towards your brothers and sisters. So this intimacy with God, Jesus says it's possible. Jesus says the Father loves you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to have that same intimate connection with you as a branch has with the vine, the two together. It's struggle for some of us. We don't like this emotional language. But this idea, and one of our values is that God desires intimacy with us, that he is not aloof, that he is not far away. He is not impossible to know, but that in Jesus he has come and lived among us. In Jesus he has shown us what the Father looks like and how the Father relates and how the Father cares. And we've seen the results of that love in the lives of people who encountered Jesus. We've seen it in the life of the lady whose story is recorded in Luke chapter 11, who comes as Jesus is having dinner at a Pharisee's house. And she comes with this bottle of oil and she weeps and she breaks open this oil and she cleanses Jesus' feet and she her tears and this oil clean up Jesus' feet and people around her are incensed at this woman coming into this place and performing an act of incredible intimacy. I mean, just think of it. Somebody getting so close and doing something like that. When we look at stories like that, we see this is how Jesus loved and this is the reaction of people around him. The people could see it was safe to come to him and pour out their hearts. Safe to come to him with an awareness of their brokenness to express their desire to be close and Jesus doesn't send them away. Where others might judge, Jesus brings love and peace And hears the silent act of repentance and recognizes the heart which is turned towards him and brings affirmation of forgiveness and of hope, of love and of his presence. The Father reveals in Jesus that intimacy is the way that he wants to live with us. And then we know that Jesus is going to make that possible for all of us in his death on the cross. And that in dying in our place, he deals with every obstacle that could exist for us ever encountering that love. There is no more anything in heaven or on earth or under the earth that can any more prevent us from coming into that love of God. It's all been dealt with on the cross. And Jesus says that after he's died on the cross, he says, I'm going to raise again. And then I'm going to go to the Father And he's going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to teach you all truth. He's going to remind you of all the things I've said. He's going to teach you more and more about me. Which me? 
The Jesus who says, remain in me. The Jesus who says, remain in my love. The Jesus who is the revelation to us of the Father. Intimacy is what the Father desires for us. The level of intimacy we experience seems to me in Scripture to be largely dependent on our desire. On our desire. Do we want to keep God at arm's length or do we get as close as we can and remain in him? This longing and this desire is kind of what lies behind uh, this Psalm 84 where the psalmist writes, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord God Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They're ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Bacar, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer. Lord God Almighty, listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Do you capture that sense of longing? God, I'm jealous of birds that get to nest close to your, te to your temple. God, I'm jealous of those who go to church because they've been able to draw closer to you and focus on you and come and worship you. Is that your heart? Is that the cry of our heart? God, I just want to be wherever you are. And it's not about me. Look, God, if I can just be there just to open the door, that's, I don't even want to be right at the front. I'll just be happy to be at the back and open the door if I can be closer to you. This intimacy that the Father offers to us, this coming into his presence, which Jesus makes a way to happen, is an invitation for us to respond and ought to be an encouragement to us to be those who seek hard after the presence of God. I'm looking at the time and I know all that we need to do this morning. I know our young people have only just recently gone out, but I want us to think just a few moments, and I'll do this quickly, about some of the pathways for us to hear the voice of God. And it's an important value to us that we no longer have mediators between us and the Heavenly Father. Once upon a time, there was. There were people like Samuel, for example, who would hear the voice of God and then tell other people what the voice of God said. But even Samuel, you'll know, had to kind of figure out how it was that he heard God's voice. 
If you know the story at all, you'll know that Samuel has been left at the temple. It's at the time of Eli, whose sons Hophni and Phinehas are bad guys. Uh, they're really uh, disreputable and abusing their position as people who are supposed to be serving God. It's a time when the voice of the Lord is very irregular in the land at that time. And Samuel has been left there as a young boy, as part of an offering to God, really, and keeping of a promise of his mother, who said that she would dedicate her son to him. And he's sleeping there in the temple, and he hears a voice in the middle of the night, Samuel, Samuel. And so he hears this voice and he runs to the high priest. And he says to the high priest, I'm here, what is it that you need? And the high priest says, I never asked you, go back to bed. So he goes back to bed. And the same thing happens a second time. Samuel, Samuel. And so Samuel runs up to the priest and says, what is it? And the priest says, I didn't call you. Samuel goes back and this happens a third time. And the third time, Eli, who really should have known what was going on because he's the high priest, says, oh, okay, maybe this is God. Well, there we go. Maybe it is. This time, if you hear the voice say, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. You know, and in that moment, a few things are revealed to us. One is that somebody like Eli can be in the position where he should be hearing the voice of God and know it, and yet have all that position and all that privilege and yet not know the voice of God. It's not about our position. It's about our orientation in our heart. It also reveals to us that a young boy with very little theological education, who externally has no power and no authority, can become the one who hears God. And in that story we see that it was limited and that the people of God needed Samuels to be raised up so that they could hear the voice of God for all of us. But in Jesus, what we have, as the Holy Spirit comes, is no longer any mediator between us and God. There's just us, and Jesus has made the way for us to draw directly towards God. Which is why we have people in our churches who stand up and they say, well, I believe that the Lord just said this to me. I believe that God just showed me this. God just drew my attention to this passage. Are they super people with oodles of education, or are they like Samuel? I'll leave that for you to decide. What I'm saying is that we can all be a Samuel now because all of us have access to the Father. But how do we hear that voice? How do we come and hear that voice of God for ourselves? One of our key values is that each of us can hear God's voice. We can, he wants to speak to us, he wants to communicate. And I am gonna do no more than give those of you who are note-taking five ways to hear the voice of God and we'll try and unpack this next week at Abundance, so there you go. That'll get you there. The first is relationally. Relationally. It is possible for us to develop a very close relationship with God so that our proximity to him and our awareness of him is equal to that of walking with anybody else. There have been times and seasons in my life when I have encountered God in that kind of relational way. And for me, I know it was possible from the very beginning of my Christian life. Why? Because on October the 31st, 1987, the time when I first encountered God, it was through a direct revelation of his presence with me. I knew straight away, on the day I became a Christian, what it was to know the presence of God with me. Trust me, there was so much that I didn't have a clue about but on knowing that God was with me as a father and that sense of security and protection and peace was the very first answer to the very first prayer I ever prayed. It's possible for us 
to know God relationally, to walk closely with him. To get to that place of where Jesus just rolls off his tongue. Well, I just do what I see the Father doing. I, I say what I hear the Father saying. One of the second ways that we can hear the voice of God, draw close to him, cultivate that intimacy, these three things are not separate things, they kind of overlap significantly, is through worship. It's through worship. In worship, what we do is we completely, as much as we can, we focus on truth about God and we reach out to him. We seek to express something that comes from within us. And then as we capture a bigger picture of who he is, we worship because we've got a fresh revelation. And then as we're worshiping him some more, we get a fresh revelation of his grace and of his power and his work in our lives. And so we worship him some more. And we find that our worship becomes this pathway into the presence of God. That as our hearts and our minds and our imaginations are transfixed by him, everything else fades away. It finds its right place, its right perspective. And as we focus in on God, we find that he speaks to us. And that we come close to him and his presence is restored to us once more. For some of us, it's through service and activism. You'll perhaps recall that Mother Teresa once said that she sees the face of Jesus in every single person that she was serving there on the streets. And for her, how did she get close to Jesus? By washing bodies on the streets of Calcutta. It was in doing that stuff that she encountered the Father afresh and where she expressed her love for him. For some The pathway is contemplation. It's the secrets of the hidden place. It's the getting to the place that is quiet, that is still. For those who especially connect with the truth revealed in the Old Testament that God isn't present in the the hurricane and the wind, but rather the roar of the lion, but rather God is the still, small voice. And so for some of us, we need to get to that quiet place where we can tune in to the still, small voice and lose ourselves from the hustle and bustle of daily lives. For some of us, it's creativity, and that it's as we are making, as we are painting, as we are writing, as we are connecting, as we're expressing our musicality, that we connect with God, that we find God is speaking through us and using us, and that our communion with him grows deeper as we express that creative gift that he has placed within us. Friends, I share these things not as an exhaustive list, but I think probably the main five ways that people encounter intimacy with God, have the voice of God speaking to them, ways in which they know his presence in a tangible way in their lives. I lay these things before you because I just want to underline to you that God is not a cold father. He is someone who wants intimacy with you, who longs to be close to you, who wants you to know the security that comes from having the Father's presence in your life. And if right now that's not your experience, then I share these things to say try something else, but don't stop searching. Don't stop pressing in. Remain in him. Remain in his love and seek after his intimate presence. Let's pray together. Father, we hear these words from Jesus, a command to us. 
remain, remain in me, remain in my love. And Father, we, we don't want to be dishonoring to you or disobedient. That Lord, we'd keep all the law, but then forget that you call us to love. And Lord, there have been times when we've used your love as a weapon, and times when others have said things to us supposedly in love that seem to lack any kind of charity or love. Help us, Father, to commit ourselves to living in love. To seeking after you with all of our heart, because you promise us that as we seek after you, we'll be found by you. Lord, would you remove the obstacles in our lives that prevent us from knowing you? Lord, we've erected mountains of our own pride, of our own expectations and our own ideals. Would you tear them down? And Lord, where the pathway into your presence is full of potholes because we're aware of what we lack, would you raise us up, Lord, to where you want us to be? That we could receive your word, the life it gives, and live in it this day and always. Amen.